Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me, my heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from Thy eyes, when I sit down and when I rise, and from afar Thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. We welcome you on this Sunday to our Perseverance family. And as always, we're going to start off our day invoking Mary to be with us. Because Mary is truly the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. That reason, we call upon Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's say that prayer that Mary loves so very much, and it's the Hail Mary. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and bless the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now we're going to, we're going to invoke, of course, our spiritual director, our spiritual director is, of course, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has many titles, among which the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He's also known as the counselor. He's also known as the consoler. The Holy Spirit is also known as the interior master, <clears throat> as St. Paul reminds us, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can 
say Abba, Abba, Father. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to be with us as we start, start off this uh, wonderful new week with Sunday, which is the day of the Lord. And ask the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light, a lot of joy, a lot of peace, and great love for God. As we sing to the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me. Use me, Spirit of the living God, all afresh on me. Now on us, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, Fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. <clears throat> Fall afresh on us. Well, Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. Saint Michael. Pray for us. Saint Gabriel, pray for us. Saint Raphael, pray for us. Saint Nashaliola, pray for us. Saint Faustina, pray for us. Saint Teresa of Avila, pray for us. Saint Anthony in the desert. Pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. So we welcome you all to our Perseverance family. Reminding you that Sunday is the day of the Lord. It's a day in which we rejoice. Sunday is the day in which we call to mind the event that changed the world and it was the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ yes every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so day of the Lord in which we honor God in a special way by participating in the holy sacrifice of the mass and for those who cannot make it at least you can follow it online Online, we have mass at 10 in the morning 
as well as 12, 10 in Spanish, 12 in English. So if you can come to church, physically come, but if not, try to participate online. Also, Sunday is family day. It's family day. See if you can do something today to strengthen your family. Try to do one gesture to some member in your family to build up your family member. Maybe a smile, maybe a kind word, maybe a prayer, maybe an act of service, maybe an act of forgiveness. John Paul II in his document, Dia Domine, which is a document which John Paul II wrote to rediscover the importance of living out the Lord's Day by prayer, by worship, by rest, but trying to strengthen family bonds. Because, my friends, we really have to make an effort to save our families. This is uh, our Perseverance family that we meet every day. But also, the church is the family. But also, you have your own family. In the documents of Vatican II point out very clearly that the family is the domestic church. JP2 says the way the family goes is the way the society goes. And JP2 also says that the family is the basic building block of society. So do all you can to fortify family bonds. The history of civilization points out, you don't have to be a history major to know this, but the societies fall apart when the families fall apart. If you like an image, an image is this. If architects and contractors, subcontractors are building a house or a church or a school. If the foundation is weak, then eventually the structure is going to fall down. We purposely, in building St. Peter Chanel, we put, we actually, Father Larry uh, paid a lot more money for gravel underneath the, the main structure of the church because the foundation in, in, in Hawaiian Garden is very weak. So we purposely put gravel to give a more solid foundation because there are earthquakes here. So that's uh, an introductory comment to our conversation today that Sunday is the day of the Lord. It's a day of rejoicing. And at Mass, if you go to Mass, try to receive communion with a lot of faith, devotion, love, a lot of fervor. And if you're following online, try to make a good spiritual communion.
Also, I asked you to pray for me yesterday because I gave a an online retreat to the to the Legion of Mary, all all Southern California, San Francisco, as well as some people in in Arizona. Thanks be to God, the retreat went well. I gave a talk on Marian devotion, on happiness, holiness, and heaven, all related to Holy Mass. And the last was I gave them an acronym that I actually gave to the confirmation students, the seven M's on the ladder to holiness. And the seven N's, M's are morning prayer. Bless your food before you eat. Meal blessing. Meditation on the Word of God. Mass, which is the marvel of the love of God. Mercy for us and toward others. Try to be missionaries towards the whole world. And Mary and the Holy Rosary. Just a sec, uh, just a minute to look at the look at this picture here. Do any of you have any any teenagers? Look at this picture. The picture is Jesus is sitting on a picnic bench. He's talking to a young man who's homeless. He's got a sleeping bag there. They're having a conversation. Hopefully this can motivate you in your holy hour. Imagine that you're the one sitting on that picnic bench and Jesus is sitting next to you and he's, uh, he's talking to you. He's talking to you very freely, very spontaneously. But I really like this picture. Picture is worth more than a thousand words. So in your holy hour, you're called to be this young man sitting on the picnic bench and you're talking face to face with Jesus Christ. You can talk to him whenever you want, wherever you want, whatever word you want, whatever language you want, you can talk to Jesus Christ. He's never busy for us, but we are sometimes too busy for him. <clears throat> so, a word or two now on the first reading the first reading is very very important and you're going to see you're going to see in the first reading in the gospel reading and the saint that we celebrate today saint that we celebrate today is this man his name is saint anthony of the desert saint anthony of the desert is the following. The basic theme today is the call, the call. The call, how God calls. So let's start now with the, with the first reading, which is a fascinating reading. First reading, my friends, is 
taken from the Old Testament and is taken from the first book of Samuel. Okay, here's the context. The first book of Samuel. The Israelites have not had these messages coming to God directly for a long time. Okay, Sam, who is Samuel? We find Samuel today in the temple. The overall context is this. The mother of Samuel, her name is Hannah. And Hannah has suffered very much. And the reason being is because Hannah has not been able to have a child. And she's getting older. But Hannah is a very prayerful woman. So Hannah is in the temple of Shiloh. Now the Jewish people had a temple in Shiloh before they had the temple in Jerusalem. And Hannah is pouring out her heart to God. And she's moving her lips. So Eli, the priest, without too much pastoral sensitivity, sees her moving her lips there in the morning, praying. And he blurts out this, why are you coming here drunk, moving your lips? Which is really a lack of pastoral sensitivity because she wasn't drunk. But she said, he said that you, you're, why is this drunken woman coming in here moving her lips? She was simply pouring out her heart. And it's important for us not to judge people. Not to judge people and make comments without reflection. I think we should try to avoid being, being impulsive, be overly impulsive in the way we act. And Hannah defends herself and she says, I'm not drunk. I'm just pouring my heart out to the Lord because I have no child. So Hannah, pouring her heart out to the Lord, in a certain sense being insulted by this priest, Eli, who has two sons that are worse than him, She goes home and she conceives and she has a child. The name of the child is Samuel. And she made a promise to God if God would give her a child 
then she would offer her child to God in the temple. So after waiting for such a long time, she consecrates her son, Samuel, to God, leaving him, him in the temple. So Samuel grows up, and he's spending his time in the temple, and he actually sleep, sleeps in the temple. And that's the whole overall context of the passage. Eli the priest, Hannah the mother, and Samuel, who is the child that's born. Now we find Samuel in the temple of Shiloh. And he's... So apparently the temple is a place of worship, but there's a place where he can actually sleep. He's got a little room there. Eli has his room also. So what happens is in the temple, God calls Samuel. So Samuel gets up, and he believes that it was Eli that was calling him. So he goes to the room of Eli, and he says to Eli, you called me. What do you want? And Eli says to him, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to his room, and once again, God calls him, Samuel, Samuel. So Samuel gets up once again and goes to Eli. And he says, you called me? I didn't call you. So Samuel goes back to his room, and God calls him again, and Samuel goes, Eli, what, you called me, what, did you, what do you want? <clears throat> and Eli understood now that God was actually calling Samuel. So now Eli says to Samuel, next time you hear the voice of God, say, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. So sure enough, God calls Samuel again, and this time Samuel says, Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel grew up, and the Lord was with him. And Samuel was being turned into a very powerful prophet. Such that the Bible says the Lord was with him, not permitting any word of his mouth to be without effect. In other words, when he would speak and preach, it had, it had a powerful effect upon people. All right. Bishop Robert Barron gave a pretty good interpretation of this. And he gives the overall picture that Eli was not a very good priest. His sons had given into sexual immorality. So they were the sons of the priest. They were, the, they were going to be the replacements of their father. 
And the Israelites are fighting against the Philistines. And both of his sons, Hophni and I forget the other one's name, they both die. And Eli, hearing about this, falls back and he snaps his neck and he dies. Three tragic deaths. And among the points that Bishop Barron gave was this, applying this whole situation with Samuel, Eli, and his sons to the church. We can't deny it that there has been corruption in the church. All of us know the McCarrick case, and there's been immorality in the church. And it's scandalous, especially since the year 2002, the movie Spotlight. So the church members, back in the time of Samuel with Eli, was not a very good priest, and his sons were worse. What I'm saying is not something negative, but ra rather, I think what we have to do is this. Don't become discouraged. <clears throat> but pray for the church. Pray for the Pope. Pray for the cardinals. Pray for the bishops. Pray for the priests. Pray for future priests. Pray that we get especially holy priests. Because one holy priest can do a lot of good. Look at the life of any canonized priest. Look at the person of the Curie of Arras or look at the person of Maximilian Colby or look at the person of John Bosco. Look at the person of St. Alfonso Liguri. Look at the person of this McGivney, who was the one who was beatified, who started the Knights of Columbus. Look at the life of any saintly priest, and you're going to see a lot of good, Vincent de Paul, a lot of good that was carried out. So the church is the mystical body of Christ, and it's, it's your family too. But the priests and the bishops have a lot of responsibility. Pray for us. That we'll be able to carry out our responsibility. And to not be wolves in sheep clothing, but rather to be really good shepherds to our sheep. And pray... Maybe one of your sons is called to become a priest. Because the harvest is rich. The harvest is rich and the laborers are few. One more point before we move into another reading. And it's this. Samuel <coughs> heard the voice of God in the temple, and he was calling him. 
But Samuel could not interpret the voice of God. God was calling him, but he couldn't understand really the meaning of this call. A classical interpretation of this passage is the following. If you people really want to grow in holiness, and, I, and I'm sure you do, in this perseverance family, we all, we're, all, we're all pursuing a life of holiness. You must have spiritual direction. So Samuel and Eli is a model for the importance of spiritual direction. Who insists upon this? John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Saint Ignatius of Loyola. Because my friends, we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. We don't always see the way we should see. So, this is a passage on the importance of spiritual direction. I'll give you another passage for spiritual direction also, and then we'll move into the second reading. Another classical passage is taken from the Acts of the Apostles in which the Ethiopian eunuch has made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And on his way back to his country, this Ethiopian eunuch, he's trying to discern God's will. But he must have direction. So he's in his chariot, he's reading the Bible, he's reading the prophet Isaiah. God tells Philip the deacon to go to run up to him and to pursue this Ethiopian eunuch. So Philip the deacon runs up beside and says, what are you reading? He says, I'm reading the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand it? How can I understand this unless someone helps me to interpret it? So Philip jumps into the chariot next to this Ethiopian eunuch. And he explains how these passages of the Old Testament refer to Jesus. The eunuch understands and as they move along in the chariot, there's a body of water, and he says, what's to prevent me from being baptized now? So the Ethiopian eunuch descends into the water with Philip, and Philip baptizes him. Then Philip is snatched from his presence to preach even more. There you have a classical Classical passage for spiritual direction. And I'll give you one more. It's this. The disciples on the road to Emmaus. 
they were in a state of desolation. Jesus had died, he'd risen from the dead, but when he's appeared to some of the women, these men are confused. They can't seem to make any sense out of what has happened. They're fighting among themselves. And all of a sudden this man comes and he starts to walk with them. And he clarifies their doubts. This man walking side by side with the disciples on the road to Emmaus was Jesus Christ. And Jesus listened to them attentively. He walked with them. And then after he listens to them, like Hannah, in which he, they're pouring out their hearts, Jesus intervenes and he explains to them the meaning of the Word of God, who he is, who they are, where they're heading. And they sit down, and they, he takes bread, blesses the bread, breaks it, and gives it to them. And then they recognize him in the breaking of the bread, and he disappears from their presence. So that's another interpretation of this passage, is that the importance, if we really want to grow in holiness, that we have some type of spiritual direction. In my 10-week program of the spiritual exercise, after, after you've gone through the program of the spiritual exercises, then I invite all of you to get a spiritual director. Obviously, the best would be the priest. But we have well-formed, certified spiritual director, the lay people, under our supervision. They're helping out a lot of people. Because if you don't have spiritual direction, it's very easy to not do your holy hour, to not do your daily examine, to start to become cold in your spiritual life, start to drift away, and if you like, to descend into a life of mediocrity. So that's the interpretation of that passage. To pray for the church, to pray for priests, pray for bishops, pray for the Pope, pray for vocations, but also the real importance that all of us have some type of periodic spiritual direction. The responsorial psalm is taken from Psalm 40. And the antiphon is a beautiful prayer that we can say to the Lord. And the prayer is, Here am I, Lord, <clears throat> I come to do your will. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. 
Our holiness, my friends, depends upon discerning the will of God and carrying it out. A model for this is the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Yeah, our Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The words of Jesus in the garden, Father, if it be possible, remove this chalice from me, not my will, but your will be done. St. Maximilian Colby says that holiness depends upon capital L W and small w. Capital W is God's will aligned with small l, small w, our will. And even Dante, Dante Alighieri, in his classic, The Divine Comedy, has pointed out there at the entrance in heaven, on the Ark of Heaven, it says, in your will is our peace. <clears throat> our peace will be attained when we do the will of God. Now let's move to the second reading is pretty strong. And it's basically St. Paul is challenging all of us to live a life of chastity, a life of purity. This is taken from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, number cha uh, chapter 6. Verse 13. And he says very clearly, Brothers and sisters, the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? But whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Avoid immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been purchased at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Powerful reading. And I think it's very clear. <clears throat> it's this. God is speaking to us through St. Paul that we have been given a body our body through baptism becomes, we spoke about this the other day, we're talking about the baptism of the Lord we celebrated a couple weeks ago, is that we have great dignity and great destiny. Once we are baptized, what dignity? 
We were transformed into a son or daughter of God, brother or sister to Jesus Christ, friend, a deep intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, but also we are transformed into a living tabernacle of the Blessed Trinity. Every time we make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we're calling to mind our dignity and our destiny. Our dignity that we are really temples of the Trinity. And our destiny is we're called to go to heaven. So as I was preparing our conversation this morning, I thought that I would give you some practical points on how we can really live out this virtue. <clears throat> Before moving into that, I strongly encourage you to Read through the message of Our Lady of Fatima. Our Lady of Fatima. Our Lady of Fatima said to the children as well as to the world at large. She showed the children a vision of hell. And she went on to say to them as well as to the world at large. And most souls are lost. Most souls are lost. And they lose their soul to the reality of hell. A lady showed the children a vision of hell on July 13, 1917. Why? Due to the sins against the Sixth Commandment and the Ninth Commandment. In other words, for the sins against the virtue of purity. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. So that was the message of Our Lady of Fatima in 1917. All right, I'm going to give you five different points or steps or practices so that all of us can live out this very important virtue. If you're taking notes, you might even write down Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, which is one of the Beatitudes, where Jesus said, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. The first point is this. If we want to live out this virtue, then we have to pray. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door is open. 
So beg for the grace. We should never also forget <clears throat> that there are some virtues that we can only practice with the help of God's grace. And these virtues, one of these virtues is humility, forgiveness, and chastity or purity. These are called supernatural virtues. What does it mean a supernatural virtue different than a natural virtue? Natural virtue might be punctuality, courtesy, kindness. These can be lived on a natural plane. A supernatural virtue means that to be able to practice this, we need God's grace. It goes beyond our mere natural powers. We must have God's grace to be able to live these out. So, prayer is indispensable. Ask and you receive. Seeking you'll find, knocking the door will be open. Beg this virtue for yourself, but also beg it for your children and your family members. Many, many people walk away from the church. Many young adults leave the church and they won't admit it because they've given in to sexual immorality. And they don't want to give it up. Sexual immorality could be pornography, masturbation, fornication, adultery, the practice of homosexuality. And these vices bring with it a lot of pleasure. And how easy it is to become a slave to one's passions. St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, says that impurity blinds us. <clears throat> Many of our young people are blinded from God because they are giving in to their sexual passions. They're not living out the second reading. So they're not living out the second reading. They're giving in to their passions. And as a consequence, they give up church. And they'll condemn the church, they'll condemn priests, they'll condemn bishop, they'll condemn this or that. But really, they don't want to look into their own soul. This is really, my friends, where the rubber hits the road. This is the acid test. Being able to live out the virtue of purity. And it's a fight. Give you an example. Here we have the life, here we have St. Anthony of the Desert. 
I'd like to tell you a story related to, to this second reading on the importance of purity and chastity. St. Anthony of the Desert had a very, very powerful temptation. The temptation he had was against the virtue of purity. You know how long that lasted? Not ten minutes, or half an hour, or an hour, or a day. Rather, this temptation lasted a whole year. <clears throat> yeah. He was in the desert and God allowed these impure images to be assaulting him. This you can read in the life of St. Anthony written by St. Athanasius, Bishop. Wonderful explanation of the saint that we celebrate today. Finally, after a year had transpired of terrible temptations, finally the devil, devils of impurity left Anthony, at least for a while. Anthony, talking to the Lord like a friend, and we have to try to talk to the Lord more and more, talk to him as our best friend. Anthony asked the Lord, Lord, where were you? Where were you, Lord? And the Lord said, I was in the very depths of your heart. See, Anthony had never given in to the temptation. Maybe you heard that story of a man that was talking with a priest, and the priest asked the man, well, John, did you entertain bad thoughts? And he said, no, they entertained me. <laughs> John, did you entertain bad thoughts? No, they entertained me. In that case, that was a sin because he purposely entertained those bad thoughts. But that story in the life of St. Anthony of the Desert was that he did not give in to those temptations. He fought against them. And that's the second point I wanted to make. Is the first is we have to pray. As we said, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and you receive. Seek and you'll find Knock and the door will be open. Whoever asks receives, whoever seeks finds, whoever knocks the door will be open. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we've arrived at 229. 229, which speaks about the importance of faith, a strong faith in God. Once we arrive at the part on prayer, 
The Catholic Church and Catholic, Catholic, Catholic Church quotes St. Augustine saying that all of us are beggars before God. And St. Ignatius in the Exercises says we should beg for the grace. A beggar has to be humble and recognizes his dependence upon his benefactor. Beg the Lord for the grace. Beg the Lord for the grace. But the second point, and I'm trying to give you practical points so we can all live out this very challenging virtue and teach this all to your children. Parents have to educate their children in chastity and their teenagers. Don't allow the world to contaminate your children, but you form them in the love and the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. <clears throat> The second point in a, related to the story of St. Anthony of the Desert. First is the grace of God, but then we have to will it. God's grace is always first. God's grace precedes any good action. It's called prevenient grace among the theologies. Prevenient grace means the grace that comes before the good action and we say yes to it. But the second point is that we have to fight. We have to be soldiers for Christ. St. <clears throat> Thomas Aquinas says something that macho men don't like to hear. He says that, he says that giving in to impurity the man becomes more effeminate. Now, macho men don't like to hear this. But Aquinas is saying it's a lack of fortitude, lack of discipline, lack of self-control, lack of interior strength. And the macho men don't like to hear this at all because they feel the more women I have, the more man I am. Quite the contrary. Quite the contrary. Aquinas will call him una mujercita. Now, um, you understand Spanish. You don't like that at all. <laughs> Un hombre mujercita. No. So we have, to, we have to fight for it. First God's grace. Then the fight for it. And that's often where we fail is we don't want it enough. Listen to this. One occasion, the sister of St. Thomas Aquinas asked her brother, how can I become a saint? And Thomas Aquinas said, will it? Will it? Ben Franklin, Franklin, where there's a will, there's a way. But I, I repeat for the third time. First is God's grace. Without God's grace, we're lost. We're lost, totally without God's grace. But then we have to do our part. God helps those who help themselves. There's a certain truth to that.
The third step is this, is we have to avoid the near occasion of sin. He who plays with fire will get burnt. He who walks on a slippery slope will fall. He who walks on thin ice will cave in. <clears throat> and as the Old Testament teaches us, he who plays in danger will perish in danger. So often we're, we, we fall into sin in general because we're playing with danger. Now this is a very delicate topic. I say this as a brother in Christ and, and as a father, so as to help you and your family. What I'm going to say now would merit another long conversation that maybe we'll give later on. But all of us, and also your teenagers, even your children, We have to have a very strict vigilance on our eyes. The eyes are the mirror to our soul. The eyes are the mirror of our soul. Therefore, we have to have a very strict vigilance over what we watch. And you know what I'm referring to. I'm alluding to this and I will say it very explicitly. The internet. And the internet, when I'm saying social media, television, radio, movies, but obviously, number one, right now in this year, 2021, would be the telephone, the cell phone, the iPad, the, but especially the telephone. Because social media can be used incredibly. Uh, I'm using it right now. I have YouTube, blogs, website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I have all those. Yesterday, yesterday I was probably on, I was on Zoom four times, I was on Facebook about three times, I spent almost half of yesterday giving talks online, looking into the screen, but preaching and teaching to many, many, many people. So the internet can be used as a platform to preach the word of God. Jesus said, go out to the whole world. Teach them all that I taught you. And behold, I'm with you always, even until the end of time. But the telephone and the internet, it's, it's kind of like the first reading yesterday from Hebrews. It's a two-edged sword. 
<coughs> a two-edged sword, in other words, it can be used for good. It's uh, the internet, Zoom, Skype, Facebook, YouTube, blogs, incredible means of preaching and evangelization. And putting into practice what Jesus said, the last words of Jesus Christ, before he sent into heaven, were, go out to all the world. Teach them all that I taught you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you always. Beautiful words. Behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So, my friends, there's much more that can be said about this topic taken from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. So let's turn to the Blessed Virgin Mary and to her most pure and immaculate heart. And beg Mary for the grace to be able to put into practice the second reading. And to live out that beautiful beatitude that she lived so perfectly. And that beatitude is blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. May God bless all of you. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.